0: Slightly favours the right-footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Oh! Quick five and drags it down now, long way out. Oh, what a goal! what a gun! Here comes up, chance, goal! Scotland have scored! It's a goal! It's Dykes, it's Mahal! Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. Scotland against France in Lille last night and a bit of a comfortable victory for the French 4-1 in total. Of course, this game came after Scotland's qualification for Euro 2024 was confirmed. Just an absolutely outstanding achievement to get this over the line with two games to go. And as Steve Clark said, after the Spain game, it's not because Norway slipped up against Spain, it's because of the hard work and the results that we've been able to do in the group so far to get us to 15 points after six games. So, superb stuff for the squad, the manager the country, everybody. And we'll do a pod in the next week or two before the next international break looking at the key points of the group and how Scotland managed to get to this stage. But for now, myself and Barry Anderson from the Scotsman will be taking a brief look back at the defeat to France last night and the culmination of this international break and Barry, it all started so well, Billy Gilmore, 11th minute, that was quite a shock to see that when Nestle in the back of the net, Billy Gilmore's first ever senior goal, tidy finish, but then France, I think, shifted through the gears with, without breaking sweat.
1: Yes, yeah, the old daddy just scored too early, didn't they? Um, and probably just got the French a wee bit angry and the, he thought it was only a friendly and I think you saw just the quality they've got in the final third, which against a, a makeshift Scottish defence was was always going to prove too much. I think um, I thought in spell Scotland passed the ball well um, and got forward at times, but probably didn't have the cutting edge that we have in the final third, and or would have had in a competitive game when you've got you know probably just more experienced players like McGinn et cetera on the pitch. Um, but it was an opportunity to try and if other players are run out like Sir Lewis Ferguson I was pleased to see him get an opportunity I think he's I think we touched on that in the last pod that if any other kind of Scotland era this guy would have been a first pick player in Serie A Um, and just shows you the strength of the midfield we've got just now but yeah France um, you could only marvel at some of the, the French play in the final third and when you look at their forward line of Dembele, Griezmann, Giroud and Mbappe Starting the game, you know that's just mind blowing to begin with. Um, again, against a Scottish defence that was pretty much second choice, other than Jack Henry, um, and a debutant goalkeeper as well. So, yeah, and then <laughs> you look at later in the game when we we're trying to sort of get things back and in, back involved, and in they're bringing on Kingsley Coleman and Marcus Turam, and we've got <laughs> Jacob Brown coming off the bench. No disrespect to Jacob Brown, but it's a completely different level of player. Uh, so it's just. You know, you, you can always kind of sit back and say, well, 4-1, is that really that unfair? I don't I
0: don't really think it is. It's probably a fair reflection of how the game went. Well, let's talk about the team then, because last November, I think it was, when we played Turkey away, the criticism that Clark received that <laughs> night was that for a friendly, why did you not use the opportunity to take a look at some players who have been on the periphery for, for some time? Maybe players like Lewis Ferguson, for example. And last night, he made eight changes to the team that started against Spain. I always hesitate to say the team that, you know, won or lost or drew because there are almost 16 players or 16 players used most games now. So they all play their part. But mm. the team that started against Spain had eight changes made to it. So Kelly came in, the first mother will keep our to play for Scotland since 1934, I believe, I've just seen on Twitter. Uh, Nathan yep. Patterson came in on the right hand side. Hickey dropped out with injury. That also opened the door for Greg Taylor because Andy Robertson's injured. So they started wing back. Cooper came into the middle between Hendry and McKenna, and then Ferguson Gilmore McLean came into the team in midfield alongside McTominay, who captain does, and Shea Adams up front. Did anyone in particular impress you, Barry?
1: Um.
0: I- I can't really
1: think of anybody who looked out of place or looked off the pace or anything like that. You know, I, I think it was. I think it was important to give a lot of certain players a run out. Um, it was important to give the two goalkeepers uh, forty-five minutes each because we do need to know what options we've got there in that position. That you don't know how Craig Gordon's going to come back and what. You know, hopefully, he'll be back to his very best, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is. But you, you can't have too many options as an international manager in every position so I think that was the right thing to do um, I also think it was the right thing to give Scott McTominay another 90 minutes after giving him 90 minutes against Spain he will be extremely grateful for that and it will be it will prove extremely useful for him come the next international break if he's still not playing regularly at Manchester United at least yeah. he's got these two ninety minutes under his belt come the November games for Scotland when we'll need him again Um I thought Ferguson, Lewis Ferguson did well when he had the ball. I'd like to see him get a little, a little bit more of the ball, um, and I would probably just like to have seen him play more centrally beside Billy Gilmore and keep McTominay out on the on the kind of right hand side as he's been playing for Scotland recently. That would have been my preference, but I can understand Steve Clats probably wanted a more experienced player in there beside Billy Gilmore, and that's why he's put McTominy there. Um. Kenny McLean as well, for similar reasons, is more effective centrally with his passing ability than he is in that kind of wide advanced role supporting the striker. Um, And another one who's quite unfortunate not to get more starts for Scotland, given how well he's done when he's come off the bench. Uh, Che Adams, I thought it's fine. I think there's very little between Che Adams and Lyndon Dites. We've we've spoke about that before on the pod. The defence was... Again, as I said, if everybody's fit, that's pretty much a, other than Jack Henry. That's pretty much a second choice Scotland defence at the moment. So it's not a great surprise that they lost four goals um, to France and the quality that they've got up front. But I don't, I didn't see anybody that you would think, well, you know, he's not up to it type thing. A um, little bit of a mistake, f- um, Liam Cooper with pulling the shirt for the penalty and the devil in me really just wanted Liam, Ke- Liam Kelly to save that penalty because I could see the tweets coming out you know everybody's <laughs> here for the muddle goalkeeper saving the Mbappe penalties and all that stuff yeah. uh, but that would have been a bit of entertainment brought a bit of entertainment to it but um, not overall uh, I think everybody justified their selection I don't think anybody struggled at all uh,
0: For me that's one of the, the beautiful things about international football I know Kelly's been on the scene for a while and I think he's had whispers of a debut, slip through his grasp uh, in various games of seemingly, not lesser importance, but maybe the Turkey game, but easier, perceived easier games. But then to make his debut against the World Cup finalists and to go from playing the Scottish Premiership week in, week out and going away with the Scotland squad dozens of times, probably by now, um, to facing Mbappé. With a penalty, I mean that's something that I'm, I, I bet you even he will, will have thought after the game. Wow, the, I've just faced the world's best um, in, a, in a penalty, and a, you, know, you got a hand to it, and just good penalty in the end. But I, I like how the, like certain career paths just twist and and lead players to various situations, and that'll be one that Kelly will remember and be able to to tell forever. Um, that I took on the world's best. Uh, in their own country, so yeah, congratulations to Kelly and Xander Clark for making his debut as well in the second half. We made loads of changes, six in total. Souter came on, McGinn, whose birthday it is today. John McGinn, twenty nine. Ryan Christie, Stuart Armstrong, Jacob Brown got half an hour, which is more than he's normally given. And Xander Clark came on at halftime as well, and I thought he did equally as fine as as Liam Kelly. Um, yeah, and when we so that's three defeats in a row now for Scotland, Barry. The games have come against England in a friendly, Spain in a qualifier, France in a friendly. It's important that we were testing ourselves against teams of more significance and quality because we've got League A of the Nations League next year. So if you try to wrap those three up into one bracket, how do you think that we have done uh, when we've gone up the level? I think it's fairly straightforward. There's three defeats in a row, so the manager's got to go.
1: <laughs> uh, no, of course, I mean, we were always on a hiding to nothing, I think, in all three of these games for different reasons. I think the England game was probably the most um, disappointing performance of the three. I think emotionally, the Spain game felt the most disappointing because of how it panned out and, you know, the goal and how it was chopped off and all the rest of it. Um, and the France game, I, di- I just didn't expect to get anything from France, particularly when I when I saw that there was a number of changes. And I do think it was right to make the changes. Um, but when you're, ch- when you're making that many changes from one game to the next, it does sort of imbalance things. And naturally, and, and Steve Clark's got to get a look at people, as we said. So, yeah, overall, you're disappointed at losing three games in the bounce. I can't remember the last time Scotland did that, um, which, again, is testament to the progress that's been made. And when you're coming away from... Civil and you're know, really gutted that you've lost 2-0 to Spain and you feel it's an unjust result and could easily have taken at least a point, if not three, then that underlines the progress that's been made as well. Um, so I'm, I think like everybody, the overriding emotion from this international break will be the fact, that, that the joy that you've qualified. You know, they're just finally getting over that line Um the the disappointment obviously the two results on the back of the England friendly as well but there's, there's signs of progress um, and that's all we want we want Scotland to keep progressing and uh, you mentioned John McGinn there turning 29 I think it's probably important for maybe not so much our generation or my generation should I say maybe even yours think <laughs> you're a bit than me um, but certainly the younger folk in the late teens and twenties it's important probably for them to realise that you are watching what might well be Scotland's golden generation just now. So, savour every minute, because it's not always like this, as we know. Yeah. I don't want to be a problem doom here. But this generation of players, you know, the McGinn's, um, McGregor's, Grant Hanley's, you know, um, even the you know, the, on, the, on the forward line, you'll get to a point where they... And it won't be too far away because internet. You don't see too many international players playing on at thirty five, thirty six. So in a couple of years' time, some of these players are going to kind of fall by the wayside, and that might hopefully it doesn't weaken Scotland. Hopefully, we've got you know as good, if not better, players coming through. Um, but there's you know these things that tend to be cyclical, so you could go in a couple of a couple of years' time, and you know have a little dip. So you you know. My message is just ride this wave as much as you can at the moment and enjoy the fact that we've qualified and hopefully we can get out of the group and, and create a bit of history alongside it because this, this moment is as, is as good as I've felt as, as a
0: Scotland fan for you know since France 98, to be perfectly honest. You make a good point, Barry, because I think the perception widely is that this Scotland team and the players in it, most of them are just like kind of hitting their peak now but if we if we look at the the ages of a lot of the, the players in the squad, then they are they are already in that kind of late twenties bracket. They're not coming into their twenty eight year, um, twenty seven, twenty eight year. You've got McGinn who's just turned uh, twenty nine um, today. Ryan Christie is twenty nine in February. Um she like Adams, Jack Henry's 20, already twenty-eight, which is astonishing. You know, you yeah. think of Jack
1: Henry's about twenty-three and he's not Jack, in, London, London twenty eight already twenty eight twenty eight, McC- thirty one, Armstrong thirty one, McGregor's yeah. thirty.
0: Yeah, Even we, we, do, 20. we do have we do have some younger ones in there. Of course, you've got Bill Billy Gilmore twenty two, Lewis Ferguson's just turned twenty-four, McTominay is twenty-seven in December. Um the fullbacks are well, the right sided fullbacks are young with Patterson and Hickey. Patterson just turned 22. Hickey's just turned 20, I believe. Maybe 21. Yeah, just turned 21. Yeah. Um. So, in some areas, Porteous just turned 24. But, yeah, it is, it is deceptive in some areas. With Jack Hendry being 28, that, that is a crazy. When Stuart Armstrong being 31, that is yeah. just insane. Um, Even Andy Robertson's 29 now. Yeah, in fact, Andy Robertson, yeah, 30 at the start of next year, Andy Robertson, which is crazy. What's Tierney? Tierney is... Twenty six this summer, so yeah, I mean it. It, it kind of swings in roundabouts, and I suppose that's why it's important that we've seen in recent camps some other twenty one players have been invited up. This time it was Max Johnston. His uh, debut wasn't to come. He turns twenty in December, so I think probably between him and Calvin Ramsey, uh, Patterson and Hickey, we're going to be okay on the right hand side for the for the next while. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's important that. We, we do not think that this squad will be together until we have the Euros in 2028. I, I would yeah. imagine that at least a third of this squad by then will have moved on from international, or have been moved on from international football. Callum McGregor yeah. will be 34. I'm sure he'll still be a magnificent footballer and he may well still play for Scotland at that point. Will Stuart Armstrong turning 36? Will Kenny McLean turning 36? Probably not. So it's important that we do get to see the other opportunities that we've got, um, or the the players that we've got to give opportunities to in the squad, when we get the opportunity in games where the result doesn't really matter such as, in this instance, France away. I'm sure that the players would, maybe not rather, but they they might get more of an opportunity to present themselves in the best light possible at home to similarly ranked or lesser ranked nations, but testing themselves against the world's best um, away from home is an invaluable experience as well. And I think that Clark did the right thing. on am with you this time. Um, rotating the squad a wee bit and giving players like Ferguson um, a start. And Gilmore, because Gilmore has found it not uh, guaranteed that he would start every every game for Scotland. For a while, I think we thought, OK, Gilmore, having McGregor in centre-mid, that's it. But that's not really the case. McTominay come into prominence. McGinn is a guaranteed starter. So it was good to see Gilmore... Um, get his goal um, and play pretty well I thought I thought his passing was a wee bit um, off in the, the stages in the, was it maybe the first half I can't remember um, but I think generally he did he did fine um, Billy Gilmore last night
1: Yeah I would agree and you know, just going back to your earlier point on, on making the changes I think probably more now because we don't have as many international friendlies and I'm absolutely delighted about that because yeah. <laughs> the nation's League. Coming in has been it's, it's been a godsend for Scotland. But even if even if it hadn't been, just having competitive fixtures rather than yeah. the international friendlies is definitely a bonus, in my opinion. I'm sure you agree, Andy. I think most people. Yeah. Do. Um, so when you do get a friendly, you need to kind of maximise it and, and use it as much of it as you can by by trying out new things, new players, new caps, and that that was the right thing to do. Definitely last night.
0: Incidentally, the last time we lost three games in a row. when Clark just came in the Russia Belgium quadruple header. We lost lost them all four of them in a row. Uh, The next game is Georgia away, and then Norway at home to round off the group. So hopefully, uh, we won't match the four losses in a row again. Although we are qualified, so the treachery around the situation, which I think a few of us are still scarred by, is uh, is thankfully nullified. I'm looking ahead to the Nations League already, Barry. The, the draw is made in December, I think. The the pots, uh, we're in pot one. and I, I've tried to have a wee look at this, but I can't quite decipher it exactly. So it goes on ranking. So in pot one, that there are four pots, 16 teams, four pots. No, six sixteen? Yeah, 16 teams, four pots. And the teams ranked one, two, three, and four are in pot one five, six, seven, eight, pot two, and so on. I think that is how they do it, which means that we will be in pot four. So the pot one teams, Spain, Croatia, Italy, Netherlands, pot two, Denmark, Portugal, Belgium, Hungary. Hungary, by the way, let me give you a wee bit on Hungary. So they drew against Lithuania last night. They came from two, nil down. It was maybe the night before. But Hungary's squad, um, I think if you think Scotland are maybe... Finally, matching expectation or punching a little bit above her weight, what Hungary are up to at the moment is quite unbelievable. And um, mm-hmm. in, in their midfield, I, I do a, a quite a bit of work on the EFL now, um, commentating down south. Callum Styles of Barnsley is a decent player. He starts for them in midfield, English League One centre mid. Callum Styles bar- for Barnsley um, plays yeah. for Hungary in centre mid. Um, at the moment, he is playing alongside. Adam Nagy, who is twenty-eight, plays for Pisa in Serie B. Um, so he's hardly at one of the more prestigious clubs around Europe, like many of our players at the moment. Um, they also have that like, last night started, um Philadelphia Union and MLS, Daniel Gazdag, who's making his way, seems to be doing well for them. They 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 do not, apart from Dominic Soboslai have anyone that you would look at and think, yeah, okay maybe this is a touch myopic because we're not like keeping our eye closely on the Hungarian national team, but if you look at their squad, it's not sprinkled with names that are familiar throughout European even Europa League or Conference League um level. A load of domestic players, some play like one of them plays for La Havre in France, a couple in Turkey for lower ranked teams, uh Servette, the team that Rangers beat in the Champions League qualifiers this summer. So <laughs> Yeah, um quite unbelievable that Turkey are at the um top end of the nations league now. Um, I wonder what it is they've they've done to to do that. Um and then pot three would be Switzerland, Germany, Poland, France, France in Pot three, and then pot four, Israel, Bosnia, Serbia, Scotland. So I mean we, we could we could end up with a with a fairly kind draw from that. I mean, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, let's say from pot one, Holland, pot two Hungary, Pot 3, Switzerland. I mean, I'm pretty sure we could compete in something like that, but we could also get drawn with Italy, Portugal, France.
1: Yeah, um League Air, yeah, the Nations League is really unforgiving, as, as everybody will probably be aware if you've if you've looked, watched any of the Nations League over the last few years. Um so I think again it's you need to be realistic going in there because I think Scotland I think Scotland will benefit from being in there in the sense that they'll learn just how to get a wee bit closer to some of these top nations when they come up against them on a, on a regular basis. But the results that we've had over the last you know 18 months two years are not going to be there this time. I just think realistically that they aren't. And that doesn't mean that we can't go and upset a, a Belgium or or a Germany or, or Poland or, or teams like that, Spain, obviously, as we've done this year. Croatia as well, I think. Yeah. on you know, a one-off game Scotland could could trouble these teams but Wales
0: did the other night i say that sort was that Andy sorry
1: Wales, Wales did the other night against Croatia exactly yeah yeah I mean Croatia with the greatest respect aren't, aren't the Croatia of 2018 you know anymore so um, there's definitely opportunities there for Scotland but it's not going to be the you know winning groups and getting promotion and things like that. Again, I think you'd have to be a tad more realistic. Um, and I think most Scotland fans are realistic in, in the sense that's what I was trying to get at earlier, that maybe the younger ones think, you oh, know, this is just how it is with Scotland. You know, we win we win groups and, and we get promoted <laughs> and, and we qualify for tournaments because that is that is what's happened over the last, what, three years, roughly. Uh, but it isn't always like that. So a little bit. I do have a little bit of trepidation going into this league, eh? but I'm all
0: for it. I think it's, I'd much rather be there than anybody else. Oh absolutely. Thinking think of the next generation to to come. So Scotland under twenty ones um, were in action this action this week. They beat Malta 2 1 yesterday. They had the yep. game before that, who was that against again? Bowie scored, Doak scored. Who was that against? Uh, it was was it not, was it Hungary? Was it Hungary actually? Um, oh Hungary are in the group, aren't they? So yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, 3 1 against Hungary. Uh, uh, Max Johnson was sent off funnily enough um, Scotland were 2-0 up inside the first 10 minutes so like, having a look at the under 21s um, one that I'm excited to see progress more this season I think is because we still have a bit of uh, improving to do in this end of the park is Conway at Bristol City I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does this season, he was their top scorer last season in the Championship, he wasn't involved in this break, well certainly not against Malta last night, Rody Wilson actually was called up to the squad yeah, Aston Villa, youngster yep. but yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how Cormay does this season in the Championship uh, along with Ross Stewart uh, who's hoping to get fitness soon at Southampton and Ryan Hardy at Plymouth because if we, we'll, we'll focus more on this once when we do the Campaign review, Pod Barry, but there can't be many places up for grabs in Steve Clark's settled squad at the moment. I'd, I'd say that there's probably a vacancy for a third and potentially fourth choice striker, but most backup positions now are even pretty solidified. Um, so I think somebody like Hardy or Conway or Bend Oak even is going to have to go on a serious run of form this season to to trouble to trouble that. I agree with you. Um, I think there's a
1: few good players in the 21 setup who definitely over the next few years I would expect, anyway, to progress into the full squad. You know, like say Liam Morrison, I think, is a fine player. Conor Barron. Uh, obviously, Conor Barron is a kind of natural successor to Callum McGregor over time. Um, Rory Wilson, I've got high hopes for. Obviously, still only 17, so very young for talk of um, senior call-ups and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, there's a number of options, but you're right; they're probably more further up the up the pitch. And I think realistically, out of the the twenty ones that are around kick, kicking around just now, I could really only see Ben Doak making the step up. And again, he's only 17, so you don't want to hype him too much. But he's the one who stands out, if you like, from that that group. And if he's getting even semi regular football at Liverpool. Then you look at Scotland's front, you've obviously obviously got Dykes and Adams as the kind of established centre forwards, but who plays around them um, or who even fills in for them at times is very much up for grabs. You've had Kevin Nisbet in there, Lawrence Shanklin, Jacob Brown came on last night. Um, You mentioned Ross Stewart, who's a good option, I like Ross Stewart. But we don't have a, a player, the one thing this Scotland squad doesn't have and that's why Jacob Brown's quite intriguing for me as a player with that that pace and that direct approach mm. to run at people and, and eliminate opponents, getting behind defensive lines. And Ben Doak is that type. So yeah. whether it's Doak or whether it's Jacob Brown, I think we do need a player like that in the squad for the Euros. Um, and it's up to those two, obviously, and up to Steve Clark, who it is. But you're right, there is a one of few
0: vacancies up, up that end of the pitch. It, it, it kind of makes the the On The Plane series that I'm sure we'll do um, from January onwards um, a bit different this time because when Gordon, Ben and I did the On The Plane series for the Euros in 2021 we we didn't have such a settled squad I mean we, we, we broke up our uh, predictions into three categories so we would go through all the players that had been involved or could be involved since Clarkson's uh, appointment and we had the certainty, so on the plane, and it was well, boys like McGinn, um, Christy, you know, the usuals. Then in the departure lounge, the ones who were uh, probably going to be involved, but we weren't sure. Waiting by the phone was ones who were unlikely to be involved, but potentially could have a chance, depending on other players, injuries, et cetera. And then booking a holiday, players that we thought, no, they've got no chance. And even in May, in the May edition, or maybe in April, but the, the one of the final editions, we all had Billy Gilmore booking a holiday. And then he went and made his debut in uh, at Wembley. So I think that this time, that sort of unpredictability is not going to be uh, the same. So it'll probably be an easier on the plane series uh, this season, maybe not as interesting, but we'll do it anyway. Um, because, you know, there might be a couple of injuries. I would doubt that, the Clark's preferred 23-24 man squad will all be fit. Um, I mean, just look at, look at it right now. Tierney Robertson probably not going to be fit for the next qualifiers against Georgia and Norway and Aaron Hickey yeah. drops out with an injury as well. Um, in fact, let's, let's touch on Hickey a wee bit, Barry, because I think I mentioned after the Spain game how impressed I've been with him in this campaign. Did you see it? Granted, he was up against Mbappe last night, Patterson, but did you see... A difference between what they've got to offer the Scotland squad or the eleven. Yeah, I would. If I'm being brutally honest, I would probably say
1: that for the for that right wing back role, um, Hickey is just a little bit more accomplished at the moment, um, a little bit more composed, uh, and in that sense, maybe slightly ahead of Patterson. I think Patterson's a, a good player, and I, and I really like him. Um, he's always done well for Scotland in that that role, particularly even when he's not been fit and he's not been playing at club level. But I think Hickey just brings a bit more composure on the ball probably than um than Patterson does. And I can understand why Steve Clapp's got Hickey as he's as a kind of first choice in that position just now. Uh, I don't I don't really think that'll change it. It depends how he sees it. I mean if we end up without Andy Robertson for the November games, which looks quite likely then you would have the option of switching Hickey to left wing back and bringing Patterson in on the right. That would be, you know, a fairly logical thing to do mm-hmm. under the circumstances. Um, and then you've got your back three in as well. So you could see both of them playing in the next international break. But at the moment, if it's a straight, if everyone's fit and it's a straight choice for right wing back, I think Hickey just edges Patterson.
0: If Andy Robson is injured and. Josh Doig has returned to fitness at Verona after rolling his ankle. Would that make sense to get him involved? Because he is probably the most obvious left wing-back successor to Andy Robertson that we've got available to us if you keep Tierney within his centre-back bracket.
1: Yes, um, if he had been involved in this international break and, and been on the pitch at some point, then I would say Yes. But Steve Clark, if you if you look back how Clark integrates players into the squad, he doesn't bring them in and throw them straight in. And the one international break, Max Johnson, for example, came in and sat on the bench because it's a learning process for him, and he's done that with so many players over the years. He did it with Jacob Brown. He's, he's done it with countless um, countless guys that he's brought in. Lewis Ferguson is a good example as well. They come into the squad, and for at least one. Full international camp. They are observers. They'll sit on the bench, but they don't play because they're kind of learning the ropes and learning the tactics and learning the setup. So to bring Josh Doig in as much as I really, I think Josh Doig is definitely a potential international player. To bring him right in and put him into two game, two very important games with a potential of winning the group. I don't, I don't see Steve Clapp doing that. To be perfectly honest, I think he, he, he sticks with his tried and trusted with good reason Um, and I think that's been the secret to Scotland's success over the last couple of years Um, well pretty much since he came in the kind of gradual progress has been made because there's been stability there there's been consistent selections a consistent system that they've stuck to and worked on and um, we're we're reaping the rewards of that now so I I don't see him changing it too much Yeah talk
0: about consistency of selection last night was John McGinn's 60th cap McTominay 45 McTominay could well reach the role of honour during the Euros next summer depending on the games that come before that the warm-ups etc actually th- there is an international break in spring isn't there um, a friendly international yeah. break yeah in March yeah, be yeah. Friendly, yeah. we had Poland and Austria last or last year wasn't it yeah Um. so that will be repeated again um, Armstrong is now 46 caps he came off the bench again last night Um. so he's edging closer to the 50 threshold as well um, there was a couple more Robertson. Oh, did he reach top ten? I think he might have with the Spain cap. I think he was one or two caps away from the top ten, uh, in the list. He's now on sixty seven, which I think is still. There's a couple of players I think on 68 or nine. I think he maybe, um, one behind them, but not far away. Grant Hanley, when he gets back to fitness, is on forty eight. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean Christie's forty three now. He'll hit fifty, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, and you look at, I think Dykes and Adams came into the team at a fairly similar time, didn't they? Dykes was how long before, a season before, was it? A season? Yeah. Not even a season, yeah. it was during that season, wasn't it? Because Adams came in at the start of the Euros and Dykes came in at the start of that season. So, yeah, and Dykes has 33 caps, Adams has 27. So, I know a lot of them will be interchangeable with coming off the bench and being subbed. Um, but a, a very, very similar amount of game time afforded to both since they made their debut in the same season, yeah, and given Dykes made his debut uh, about eight months before. That kind of adds up that he's got about six more caps than than Shea Adams. So yeah, that is consistent. And if if you were to think about the players, Ben Doak is probably the the one um, that we would imagine. I see the, the Ryan Gold chat has calmed down now. Um, that was that was really. Dominating the discourse for a wee while there, and I, I don't think anybody really would have been disappointed to see that happen. But yeah, the clamour um, has uh, yeah slowed down slightly. Uh, but yeah, yeah like that, uh, oh, sorry, Barry, a, 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 a,
1: no, no, I was just going to say I, I would have liked to have seen him given just a just a couple of caps just to see how he fared, because um, I do think he's quite different to a lot of the other players yeah. that we've got. But you would probably have to assess and ask yourself where is he fitting in to the Scotland team at the moment and is there any point bringing him all the way from Canada to sit on a bench that maybe wouldn't make too much sense so I'm not I'm not complaining you know Steve Clark's got almost everything right so far with Scotland so um, long may it continue.
0: Yeah absolutely so we will do a campaign review it's just I think just people are very busy um, at the moment just just my myself on today uh, to briefly review the France game last night so we'll get a campaign review pod done over the next little while and then before we know it we'll have Georgia away and Norway at home to finish off the group and then it's into the draw for the Euros in no, uh, the Nations League and the Euros uh, in the coming months after that I think it's actually the Euros draw that's in December, isn't it? Um, I yeah. can't remember when the... yeah. And the Nations League must be after that. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, uh, but plenty to come. And we'll continue with the uh, weekly updates or fortnightly updates as well. Uh, let me know your feedback on that on how the players are doing domestically, those in and on the cusp of the squad, just to try and keep everybody informed about how players are doing week in, week out at club level. So if you're enjoying that, I'll continue doing them on Mondays. And uh, also first Monday in November, I think it's the 6th, just let me double-check here. Yes, the 6th of November. Uh have the uh, sports quiz at Walkabout in Glasgow City Centre. Uh, half seven starts. So if you and a couple of pals want to come along and test your uh, sports knowledge and the quiz that I'm hosting and devising, putting together myself, then uh, please just send me a message or contact Walkabout to book a table. should be decent as always. Um, but for now that'll do us Barry thanks very much for coming on and yeah hopefully we can lay the Georgian ghosts to rest next time that the Scotland team come together and we can conclude with a nice party against Norway um, a couple of days after that in mid-November so great stuff thanks very much Barry and thanks very much for tuning in Cast Network.